We are live on thehannibaltv.com with a special edition of the Great North Wrestling Podcast. A bit of a deviation, if you will, in so much as I am pleased to welcome today a man who is a researcher, an author, and uh, an otherwise luminary in the true crime and uh, occult fields. The man who has just authored this book, The Smiley Face Killers, Investigating Suspicious Water Deaths of College-Aged Men in the U.S. and Around the World, Mr. William Ramsey. Bill, thanks for coming on today. Jack, thanks for the invite. Great to be here. Uh, this this phenomenon is, is one that's been around for uh, a number of years, but seems to be getting uh, additional traction and even into subgenres, which we'll discuss recently covered by uh, the Canadian Broadcast Corporation and their mainstream uh, Fifth Estate uh, program. But before we delve specifically into the smiley face killer phenomenon, can you talk about your, uh, just just to give the viewers uh, a baseline of the work that you've done in investigations and uh, the true crime occult uh, genre? Yeah, I've written five books. I've done five documentaries. My first book, Prophet of Evil, then I wrote abomination children of the beast global death cult which is back in the news and then this is my most recent book is the smiley face killers but i've done two documentaries on the same subject so i try because like you said so many things have happened in the last year and a half i really always wanted to put together a book so people could have all just a corpus that contained all my research so that's the reason why i wrote the book but yeah a lot of stuff has happened in uh Really, Chicago, Austin, Toronto—it's pretty remarkable. Just, uh, just out of curiosity, what, uh, given given the fact that you know you've you've done work on Crowley and and other topics, uh, including the the case in um, Arkansas, et cetera, what first drew you to the Smiley case, uh, Smiley Face Killers? Well, it came out of my research into Crowley, kind of Crowley's followers. So, the Children of the Beast was that. And while I was doing that research, I kept seeing this symbol of the smiley face. And I remembered in the back of my mind that there was this phenomenon. I heard a coast-to-coast -coast radio with Ian Punnett about the subject. And I just had forgotten. And I was like, I wonder if this symbol has some kind of association with these murders. So that's kind of where the research started. I started researching on Facebook. There's a couple smiley face killers groups there. And... That's kind of where it started. And then I followed some of the cases. Like, I think the first case I followed was a guy by the name of Joey LeBute in Columbus, Ohio. And I had heard, you know, I'd read all the other stuff. I read Gilbertson and Gannon's case studies and forensic drownings. But once I saw that Joey LeBute disappeared, I said, this guy's found in water. I'm going to freak out. He was found in water in the Seattle River 19 days later. So that's really where I saw the disappearance, the phenomenon from the disappearance to a body found. And really, unfortunately, that was the first of like many 10 or 20 cases that I've followed from disappearance to being found in water. But yeah, so it started, it kind of came out of my Crowley occult research because there's something about these cases that has that component to it. There's something mysterious. These are all cases that happen at night. People are at bars and disappear. And later, oftentimes in places that are searched, like the place where Joey LeBute was found, would had been searched her. There were massive search, searches. And some of these are just incredible, like the full scale of state and federal authorities go looking for these guys and they still can't find them. And then the body pops up. So uh, that's really how my and once it kind of clicked, then I found the other kind of researchers. There were other independent things. People call this phenomenon different things and around the country. Whether you're in Boston or Manchester, UK, they call it the Manchester Pusher Pusher. Um, now that it's happened in Austin, they call it the Rainy Street Ripper. So they, this kind of phenomenon is happening in a lot, mostly urban areas all around the world, as far mm -hmm. as I know. What uh, if if you could uh, delineate it down? What is the the base, or or perhaps the most prominent uh, base theory about what is going on here in terms of the similarities of the case forensically and some of the other details that appear to link these these cases together well i think it's just this this the same kind of mo right so somebody disappears maybe starts acting funny 
and then um you know there's like the family say this is out of character you get somebody that's separated from a friend that often happens but those those are kind of like the same kind of uh same kind of fact pattern surrounding these cases happens over and over but always at night and um these are not like recreational type of drownings or things and not sometimes they're not even tested if they drowned they just find the body and say acts you know misfortune or something like that there's kind of a lack of public knowledge about some of the uh, law enforcement uh, you know work that's done on these cases they keep their kind of information to themselves but uh, sometimes people have pried out autopsy reports and things like that from the police. And it's often very different than what the public understood or what the police was telling the public or were telling the public, I should say. Mm -hmm. The two cases that come to mind, it's uh, Patrick McNeil and Dakota, um, Dakota James in Pittsburgh, PA. Once the families got the autopsy reports, it showed that they were you know, tortured or had rope burns around their neck and things like that, which were never part of the public record. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In, in, in terms of the, the victim, and, and I understand that um, this, this has experienced a little bit of a deviation as of late in terms of some, some females being involved, but your, your typical victim here is um, a middle class. Yeah, college age middle male. class yeah middle class if not lower class maybe okay and and the the behavior appears to to be uh exhibited while out at a bar or whatnot and then they disappear and and it's all out of character is is that something that's remained consistent across international lines too it seems like it i mean i think some people are clearly drinking and some are heavily heavily drinking but some of these victims are not drinkers at all and so it's assumed that they were drinking or drinking heavily which is false but uh yeah it's all the kind of same age group but some are very noticeably acting strange you know like they're clearly have been drugged like even uh, patrick mcneil the first case like he only had two drinks the first case that i discussed in the book he only had two drinks and then was like throwing up and crawling on the street and being followed so it seems like he is targeted and drugged. Um, but I think Gilbertson, again, and the original kind of two researchers in their book, they showed a lot of these men had elevated levels of GHB in their blood. So there is a, it seems to be a correlation of drugging. And it's really kind of a kind of lower level crisis all around the United States. A lot of people are being drugged in bars, maybe not for the smiley face killers, mo or purpose but to, to be robbed or something like that so what would be the um the the purpose or the the intent of such a specific typology of of victim what, what, what would be the advantage to the the killers aside from you know just basic bloodlust you would see uh, opportunistic killers are, are different from uh, pattern killers, spree killers, etc. But it, it's a very strange group, I would think, to target historically, given the fact that they're young, male, and and would be able to defend themselves more than say a, a lone female. Agreed. I think it's kind of strange. That's kind of one of the elements of this whole phenomenon. That's odd. Like, why are they targeting targeting these men? I came up kind of. There seems to be an over preponderance of the homosexual angle on a lot of these kind of cases not necessarily which is makes it even stranger like the motive doesn't even seem to be sexual in nature from but a lot of these guys are on grinder they are homosexuals they're in that community so it seems like that's like why that they're targeted but some of these other cases may just be like literal like thrill kill or sport kill like somebody's in the wrong place at the wrong time but uh yeah, it is. Uh, it is curious, and like, what's the motivation? Like, some people like have, have surmised that it's groups, and uh, Gannon and Gilbertson, or Gannon specifically, have said that there's a group of people who are interested in this type of crime. So, um, I've looked into the Order of Nine Angles, and their whole mm -hmm. worldview is very lethal, and you're supposed to select an opfer, right, a sacrificial victim. So that might be something. I don't have that. I've never tied anything between 
the ONA to any of these crimes, but the ideology would would be the same as like a perpetrator of these crimes. Could because you're supposed to commit a crime in the ONA and get away with it. Like that's the whole purpose. So um it is it is strange. Like, why is this happening? But it is the phenomenon itself is happening. It's a greater question of why. And I think the police a lot of times they're just trying to solve a, cri a crime and attach somebody to the crime and maybe the motivation or the mens rea or whatever you want to call it isn't as important to them as basically shutting the case and this guy did this and then we're done. So I think that some of these criminals who may have been caught for other things are involved in this type of crime as well, you know, so. What, uh, in terms of the, the modus operandi, I, I've read in, in your research and others that it appears that there's the, the what is suspected to be a drugging incident, et cetera, and then descriptions of the, the victims um, being followed and, and disappearing. What, what, what is the, 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 the primary theory in terms of who, who are, is this a group? phenomenon and why is it replicating itself across uh the country cities and international boundaries now it's a great question i mean i think that that's it like there's somebody learned this kind of mo and it got shared through the underground or through the dark web and maybe that it's a it's a group of people with a similar uh outlook and that's why you're seeing it happen across borders you know across even across continents so um, it may be an underground thing. People are in some B BDSM kind of a group or something, and this is how you do it. You know, this is you're trying to find this victim. Um, so, I mean, if you look like across, like people have taken the body mass index of the, all of the victims, they're all like healthy, athletic, maybe better looking men. They're not like overweight or. You know, almost don't even see anybody with like even a bit of overweight. So maybe this is like a, a, a specific body type or something that these people are in, are wanting to, you know, abduct. So I think that uh, it is a question. I mean, is it one group or is it individuals? Obviously not one individual. Mm -hmm. uh, but is there a concerted group? Well, there are interest groups of all different times, and some aren't as nice as others. I mean, there's a lot of people who smoke pot, so they go join whatever, High Times, or they get magazines. Well, what if you are this type? Like, they have pedophile telegram channels or whatever, secret channels like that, or do stuff. So maybe that there's these types of people who are this is their, they're uh, either overtly gay or they may have a secret life, and this is what they're interested in. So it could be that. I don't know. I don't have those reasons that kind of, you can speculate. And I have a whole section in my book on offender typology, the people who've been caught conducting similar type of crimes, you know, so you can go all the way to the family in Australia. There was a guy in Perth who was out over outwardly married. He was married and a heterosexual, but at night he would go out and drug men and rape them. Um, so that could be one like that. There's other guys like uh, Stephen Port in, in London Mark Latunsky in Michigan, you know, so, so I, I think that there, and the Mark Latunsky is a really interesting case because he was part of kind of an online underground group that called themselves werewolves. They were like, that was his nickname. So he had a re regular name and he had a couple fake pseudonyms. And one was like Oli Coast, which is a werewolf. So that's how, and he had a huge werewolf, a very strange guy. Mm -hmm. I think he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, but I, I feel like he was got caught for killing a guy by the name of Kevin Bacon in Michigan. But my sense of him is that that wasn't his first victim. Like, like I believe that he was probably killing people for a long time. Th that was the uh, individual that had the, uh, the torture room, which um, I believe you and others have speculated uh, in terms of the victims being, uh, there, there being a period of time where victims are being taken, held in an unknown location, you know, bodies of water being searched, and then boom, the body's back again um, two days or two weeks later or some time frame like that. Do, do you think that that's uh, probably, and, and, and mixing in with the whole torture aspect of it, do, do you think that is uh, uh, one commonality that uh, the groups share? 
It seems like it. Like a lot of these, you know, uh, some of the studies on some of these cases, these people are missing for seven days, but they can tell that some of their their death only happened, uh, you know, a day ago. So they're being kept somewhere. A lot of them are, as far as I can tell. So I think that that's that's an element of the of the the crime is the abduction and keeping these men alive for whatever purpose. Can can you talk a bit on uh, the topic of um, what appears to be a um, whatever whatever terminology you want to put on it, but a satanic or occult correlation to to these these groups and some of the the evidence that that points to that we're seeing as i touched on earlier uh, a, a bit of a mainstream recognition of some of the groups like you, you touched on earlier but the the 764 the the uh online uh, abuse exploitive yeah it's a pedophile cult it's literally a weird pedo- like that's another example of like that's their interest right they're pedophiles and they call themselves a cult well what if there's another cult but they like men right or they like younger men or whatever is that something that um, law enforcement, uh, two things with the law enforcement uh, perspective, uh, from what I understand, and, and you mentioned it, they, they want to wrap up a case in some some aspects, but then, you know, under the guise of not creating hysteria, you know, they're, they're underplaying this this aspect that this is a, a group or organized phenomenon and and may not recognize the, the role that uh, Satanism or, or whatever occult phenomenon plays in it. Do you see that as uh, one of the, in addition to interjurisdictional problems, sharing of information that, that, that is, you know, occurs. Do you, do you see their, uh, right. It's endemic in law enforcement. Absolutely. Do you see their uh, reluctance to uh, uh, embrace it? You know, this may not just be another random killing as, as a problem to getting to the bottom of this. Yeah, it's a real problem. Like I, the, the the police chief from Boston came out and made a public statement after a few bodies were found there and say, we can't find any connection. You know, he's trying to calm the public, but there's so many cases in Boston, 20 cases at least. So the people in Boston seem to know. Uh, he He's clearly downplaying it. And <clears throat> so I think that that is a problem. I think law enforcement's passivity. And also... I think that the interest of law enforcement, you can talk to people in law enforcement, like I'm not in law enforcement, but you can talk to them. And the real issue is having open and shut cases. You want it clean. You want it off the books. So to say this guy accidentally drowned is advantageous to them and the perpetrators. So the perpetrators know that as well. Okay, you know, Joe was out late and slipped and fell in water. He suddenly couldn't get out. He could make it to the water, but he drowned. And, you know, then they get away with the crime and continue to commit crimes. So do do you think it's it's key for the families of these these victims to uh, as some have which which you can highlight uh, to say no this is not this my child was not uh you know a, a heavy drinker he did not just fall into the Potomac et cetera et cetera do you think that's key in terms of putting the the pressure on jurisdictions to look a little deeper aside from the obvious to close the file Absolutely. I think the family involvement has brought to light so much information for me as kind of like a writer researcher, because if some of these families didn't, uh, or, you know, harangue the police and try to get more information or say it, you know, a lot of these cases would be just called, you know, accidental drownings. Because and then if you read my book or even read my documentaries, I focus on the families and they just go, there's no way. Like some of these families, like, Dakota James swam. He was the captain of his mm-hmm. high school swim team. And they say he did, did, didn't drink more than two drinks a night. Like he wasn't a heavy drinker. So the family knew something was wrong. So they said it and they found out like through finding the autopsy report that he would met with misadventure. It was definitely not. So these are crucial. So if you're a family, you know, you have to kind of keep the investigation alive. Because some of the police won't do it. I mean, you pay your tax dollars for the police to do it, but they won't do it. So in a lot of ways, I do. it goes back like this is a perplexing and almost, if you're a perpetrator, a perfect crime. Because all of the elements of this crime, they're, they're 
to the advantage of a perp because water get dry, washes away as some evidence. It makes it look like it's a, a water drowning. Confuses the police. The police incentives are to close it. Maybe the family doesn't see anything. Uh, people don't see them going. Nobody, none of these cases, nobody's seen these people go into the water, which mm -hmm. is te super telling. That's a huge mm -hmm. tell. Like mm -hmm. the ones that you can take out of the pool of victims are the ones where that you know, like, hey, it's 1 a.m. I'm going to go for a swim. So that's obviously not a victim. But these none, none of these cases, don't, everybody's seen go into the water. So I think that the family, to answer your question, the family involvement, if you... If they think that you know this is one of those types of cases, it's it's crucial for them to be involved forever. And, and you know it never leaves them. I mean, the family members, the families are wrecked, and uh, they're not they're generally not very happy with the police or law enforcement mm -hmm. coverage mm -hmm. of these cases. I mean, that's what I found. This uh, channel, channel the Hannibal TV is is a Canadian channel, and I wanted to ask you about cases in in canada that that you've you've come across I, I i know there were some in toronto and uh vancouver but just a little bit of a history of when uh these suspected uh cases started popping up here and it, is there an epicenter in this country well definitely toronto and vancouver there were like three cases in vancouver in a month like in 2023 i think and it was interesting too because the phenomenon's kind of changed Whereas it was once seen as kind of like a white young college. Now there's a lot of victims who are African American and India from India or South South Asia, I guess you could call it. And Asians too. But like these cases that popped up in Vancouver were incredible. It's Urshad Iqbal. He was found in False Creek, Vancouver, May 19th, 2023. Then he was missing for three weeks. Then Suleiman Kewar. Uh missing for found in false creek again one week later like it's right in front of your face and then another man in science world building in false creek 26 year old so that's three back to back were in vancouver alone and then the ones that were in um toronto there were two indian guy uh you know indian uh, south asian i guess is probably the more accurate thing they were in um they were in Toronto. I forgot those cases. Oh, there. Let me see if I can find them. It was. Is it AJ Saw? No. There were just some other. There were a couple other ones that I'll have to find their names. But yeah, they were in Toronto back to back. There were two. So, so yeah, so it's definitely happening you know it's definitely kind of expanded out there's canadian cases there's actually an interesting like canadian is uh there's a lot of indigenous people of kids and stuff that have been found in water in thunder bay and that's kind of also kind of telling so somebody's disposing bodies that way but instead of like college age middle-aged men it's that i mean i try to put that in the addendum or index to my book and i should have but there's all kinds of weird things like the last four victims of um john wayne gacy they were all thrown in water outside of chicago and there was just like a huge rampage in chicago so um it is it's 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 really something else let me see if i can find those toronto cases while you're you're doing that i i just wanted to get your um opinion on the there, there clearly is uh, a correlation between these cases uh, with similar uh, modus operandi, which which would speak to. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. The first sort of suspected cases of these were in the the late '90s, which uh, coincided with the growth of the internet. So we we know about the dark web and uh, child abuse exploitation material. Uh, it would speak to this being almost like. Um, instructional material out there so so given the fact that law enforcement has had success with you know busting pedophile rings uh dark web sites etc cetera, etc cetera, i'm just curious why uh they haven't come across something more substantive than a theory by by reviewing the dark web and doing the investigative work there that they do it's a good question 
I mean, it's not the kind of proactive thing that uh, you should be doing. The three in Toronto were Harsh Patel, Ayush Dakra, and Bishay Patel. So mm. they were not one. Let me see one of those. Those were, I think those were 2023 cases. Yeah. Those mm. were May 2023. Mm. So those are the kind of the South Asian tradition targeting those types. And that was actually kind of Bruce MacArthur in Toronto, too. He yes. was a gay guy. And he would bury his bodies in like uh he was a landscaper, so we'd bury him in like you know, plant uh, you know, huge ceramic planters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, this is kind of this kind of MO negates the need to like find a body disposal and just go throw it in a river. But um as far as the police, yeah, you kind of wonder. I mean, I've seen when uh Dakota James's mom was like talking to the um the attorney for Pittsburgh. She went in his office and in the office she said were were with him were somebody from the Secret Service and the FBI. So why they're involved in the, that or investigating Dakota James's case is very interesting. And I, I don't have an answer for that, but yeah. I think the police, you know, I've talked to a lot of different people. People have talked to me, and a, a common theme is like the desire to uh, to keep the public from panicking. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really an interest, uh, inter, uh, interesting aspect of these cases. They certainly there's so much money involved. So if Boston says they have a problem with serial killers killing young men in their city, that, that whole college, I mean, if they lose ten percent of their revenues from these colleges that are there. It's in the billions of dollars. So it's kind of somebody said it was like the guys from uh, Jaws, right? You know, we got to keep the panic down. We can't not let this impact business. So I think that that's an aspect of it, sadly, is that, you know, and also people haven't really seen the, the ties between how many cases. Like I put to 375 in this book. It's off the charts. Like it's a huge mm -hmm. number of people over the last 20 years, 25 years. Mm -hmm. so so i think that that's another thing it's like there people have written this off and actually i read it off as an urban myth i thought it was an urban myth when i was heard about it i never had any evidence to the contrary and then i really started researching it and saw it i mean i've unfortunately been looking into this stuff almost 10 years like it's been eight years so i know these cases i know a lot of the other researchers which i've included in this book but um, i think that's a problem law enforcement and a lot of this, like if it's a new type of crime too, so maybe they're not as uh, forceful on this kind of new, like maybe bank robberies and things like that are very easy for them to look into or they're used to murders, but not this type of MO. So that may be the case. And you, you do see the cops bungling some of these other cases. Like there was a huge inquest about Stephen Port and why they didn't figure out and should have seen through his ruses, like Stephen Port's ruses of dumping like the same bodies in the same church cemetery down the street. Um, why didn't the police see into that? And I think the inquest is still ongoing. And I think he killed those people like five years ago. So there could be something like this. If all these families got together and covered it, you know, like became a group of like, hey, this happened to us. And they've had, they've had a few families, like five of the family members on, Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil, uh, I think a couple years ago, three years ago. So they, there's been some kind of glimmer, and you said there was something in Canada too, right? That the state did a show on this. Yes, yeah, just uh, just recently. I mean, it was in connection with the 764, which... Oh, um, right. no, I saw the 764 one. Yeah, they, but... they've, they've touched on, uh, you know, briefly the, the phenomenon, but nothing in any sort of uh, detail. Do you know uh, if the FBI in the States with Quantico and profiling and all that, uh, you know, research and, and expertise at their disposal, if they're looking at this, this phenomenon no, at all? Hmm. I have no idea. Like I just said, like the FBI was involved in Dakota James's case, but I don't know if they're looking into this. And that's kind of a kind of another thing. Like, why aren't you on top of these cases? Like, these are incredible. Like, they're mm. still happening. There was just a total rampage in Chicago. Like, it was off the charts, like, how many people died in 2023. Noah Enos, Carlos Arce, Richard Garcia, Seamus Gray, Joel Orduno, Christoph Subert, Peter Salvino, 
a couple, which was very strange, Daniel Sotelo and Natalie Brooks and J.J. Delaney Day. That involved uh, Crump, or Crum, I forgot his name, but he's kind of an Af African-American activist. Ruby Contain, Inaki Baskaran, and Jeremy Switek. Those are all within two years. All found and, it, and it's it's really ramped up after a, a bit of a pause with the pandemic, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, a fan wanted to uh, know the significance of um, the the smiley face symbol itself in connection with with these these crimes. Well, the reason that this whole phenomenon got its name, smiley face killers, is both Gannon and Gilbertson tied the symbol to certain cases independently of each other in two different states: New York and I think uh, Minnesota. So that's how it caught its name. And they have, like in their book, you can see the smiley face. They believe that there's tagging taking place where the bodies are put into water. So not where they're found, but like here's the water and this is the smiley face as a marker. But they say that there's other symbols and things like that. I don't think they've ever disclosed them. But yeah, that's how it got its name. And the smiley face, if there's an overlap between these killers and then smiley face in larger culture because it's been used... I think going back to William Burroughs, but it goes through acid house uh, music, kind of alternate kind of uh, stuff. Uh, Alan Moore uses it in Watchmen. It's in Fight Club. It's a theme within Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club book. Um, and it's now it's kind of just popping up in, in uh, people are wearing it as fashion items. So. It, and it's all over, like Ed Sheeran's Bad Habits video. So it has an occult meaning. And I am not initiated, but it seems like, and it's affiliated, people have seen it affiliated with the 098 too. But what it seems to mean is you kind of laugh through tragedy. So it's almost like it's a tragedy, but you you enjoy afflicting this tragedy. It seems to be, have that, that's what it's, I think it's esoteric meaning is. Not mm -hmm. it's exoteric, which is just a you know happy face. Mm -hmm. In in terms of the the challenges that that you experienced uh, doing doing your research in, in, into this phenomenon, what uh, what jumps out at at you is it is it the aspect of dealing with uh, law enforcement or just uh, putting the pieces together? Well, I mean, there's other people researching these too. Like Jim Smith was my primary researcher for my first documentary and so he's covering the cases and contacting a lot of people so that was kind of an easier way i mean law enforcement isn't helping so this is kind of like something you can just follow and people send me cases like i didn't know about ed sheeran and his whole 09a ideology connections until somebody sent me something and say hey you got to check out this uh video so in a way it's kind of like a group effort like it's been a group effort but one of the things about these cases is they're covered in the media. So you could, if I got a name from 19, you know, 99, because of the internet, you can go back and watch all the stuff. So you can watch the news coverage. So it's cases that I've missed, a lot of them are covered in nightly news. Like, hey, we're missing, you know, so-and-so. So it's easier to kind of put to, if they fit the profile, like there's a lot of, uh, you know, sifting and, and letting the chaff, like there's cases where people drowned. There's cases where people, uh, you know, you know, are, are clearly like they clearly, you know, fell off a boat or something like that. So those are not these cases. These are the cases where somebody literally disappears and are later found in water. Mm -hmm. Moving, moving uh, forward, what, what do you think will, be crucial to having some kind of uh, resolution, if you will, of this of this phenomenon. Uh, two part question: that being one, B being, is there any awareness uh, going out? Uh, again, traditionally, you were speaking of some high risk groups being being targets. Is is there any sort of awareness happening at the at the community level to um, be careful? And and how do you think they're going to put a solve some of these? Because I think if they solve some of them, traditionally uh, somebody gets caught, they start talking, which is another another reason I, I'm I'm having a hard time understanding why they haven't had uh, more expansive success law enforcement wise. 
Right. Well, I think that these latest cases in Austin and Chicago have really lit a fire in those localities. Like people there now know that this phenomenon exists. I've talked to people in Austin. They never even heard of the smiley face killers. They had no clue. But then they, it happened there and they were like, oh, we just had a bunch of drownings. And I'm like, guys, this is happening all over the place. They didn't know. So they don't cover it. And especially you can see from the reporting that even the reporters don't you cover it in the larger contexts. But because of social media, I think like a lot of these, there was a researcher in Chicago had millions of views on his posts about the Chicago death. So I think the awareness is growing and shows like this and me talking about it and other people talking about it, I think is growing. But I think that law enforcement, if they, if like people in law enforcement believe that these there's people doing perpetrating these crimes, hopefully when they arrest somebody, they'll ask them questions about where they've been what they do, have they done it before? Do you know people are doing it? What are you doing online? What groups are you in? What's your social media? Um, they had a case, like I have a whole chapter in my new book about this uh, man rescued from water in TD Garden where there had been other cases. So if somebody had, in Boston had known two other guys, Kelleher and Hurley had been abducted from TD Garden, they might've said, hey, this is, might be a pattern. And it's a really, the guy's name I think was Josh young man fit the profile of the, the smiley face victim but there were pictures when he was rescued there was a picture of him with a man that nobody knew how he got there so there's this victim who had been submerged in water for five minutes face down somebody's holding him he gets rescued the police show up the public shows up and this guy who rescued him disappears and nobody asks him any questions they don't know his name they have a picture they've never done any follow-up like, what are you doing there? And Josh had like a huge bruise. Like part of his ear came off. Like somebody had to have come up behind him and hit him with something really hard. And it's just like, dude, you could have broken up the whole, all the cases in Boston. That might be the guy who's been doing it for 10 years or 20 years. You don't know his weird motivations. Maybe he is an occultist. You know, that's the whole thing about the occult is like, it's all kinds of, their motivations for doing things aren't your standard motivation. Mm -hmm. So... That's just one example of something slipping through the fingers of the police. Like there may have been other cases. Stephen Port going back to London is a perfect example because they didn't even look at the CCTV video for him and for the, the people who they found in that church, the kids. And I think there's been payouts. I actually think now that London or the, I think it was Barking was the name of the city outside of London has paid out the families. What happened is, is the fam, one of the family members said, I want the CCTV video of my loved one where he was last seen and barking give it to me i'll analyze it so the police didn't analyze it so they gave it to the family i think they had to go to court gave it to the family the family's watching said, who's the guy with my brother like they didn't even the police never even got to that like you're paying taxes for this and it's mm -hmm. the same thing in td garden like what the, what are you guys doing you know, i mean so i think I think that it's past, you know, it's the passivity of the police. I think it's pretty sad. But yeah, they're going to break. I mean, you're going to get somebody who's listened to, like, read my book or listened to one of my podcasts or something. And they're going to go, there's more to these stories. And these guys are connected. I want to know who this, they're going to ask the right questions. And they're not asking the right questions now. Mm -hmm. Not even close. Mm -hmm. Sad. Wanted to, before, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about work that you're, you're doing currently and your thoughts on this uh as as you characterize quite correctly the the pedophile cult the 764 uh phenomenon and, and just how big that is in in the united states and canada and and i think part of the reason it, it you know aside from the the very dark web nature of it etc part of the reason is it's so horrific especially involving children that the layperson uh, in the public is is doesn't want to hear about this, but could could you talk a bit about how huge a problem this is and what's being done to protect kids? I'm not sure a lot is being done to protect kids, but the 764 was something that came up after I published Global Death Cult about the Order of Nine Angles in May of 2021, and I had I honestly had not heard of 764. I'd heard of other kind of groups that are affiliates of, of O9A, Fewer Creek, Sonnen Creek, 
different divisions and things like that globally and the what they would call a nexian but i did, had not heard six four so in the last couple of years this group has or these groups have taken off and there's been all kinds of these are just the ones that got arrested but there were things involved kyle spitz richard densmore angel almeida luca ben benincasa bradley cadenhead chandler pong kalana limkin caleb merritt these are andrew matthew ballinger these are all people who have are in like a pedophile cult they're an online pedophile cult that finds vulnerable women or young girls and does horrible things like the richard densmore complaint was like silence of the lambs level of a horror show like carving you know scarification and things like that like he was a monster and so the parents have to really be careful about what their kids are doing online and who they're talking to and you know and the, the sad thing is that like there was the one case you mentioned this thing with the cb the canadian broadcasting company was a fifth estate did something this girl like she was living with her great grandma or something like she didn't even have a mom or a dad around so somebody must have you know the guy who committed the crime his name was uh caleb merritt you know he just found somebody there so it's yeah this is we're in real trouble man society is going down so I, I don't know if the guy i mean at least they're putting out these things that the fbi to its credit last year put out a warning um about this this whole uh, uh phenomenon so it is happening and people you know i had this on the show i had ken silva from headline usa and another advocate child advocate bx so you know it's going around we actually got like they i did the research with them and we ended up on the radar of a lot of very interesting people and on 4chan so people kind of put it out there but you know people said that we there was one really interesting comment which is just completely preposterous is that we were blowing it out of proportion we're like this is all in the public record you can look these guys names up just like the somali face killer victim you can find the story like and these are you know some of these guys have like 20 victims so they're like 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 uh repeat sexual abusers it's not just one victim so do the numbers it's off the charts there was one guy Bradley Cadenhead, his mother said all he did on uh, his whole day, he didn't work. He just spent all of his time online on the computer terrorizing people, little kids. That's all he did. That was his job. And so they would get this. They call it CCM as a new acronym. It's uh, sec Child Sexual Exploitation and Abuse Material. They get it and then share it with each other, like uh, on a pedophile group or something on Telegram, one of these so-called encrypted things. So it's really it's really ugly, nasty, and that that's actually a time. I mean, this is something that was happened when I was studying the own on order of nine angles before 2021 when I published my first book. So there were elements. These guys were Nazis, but they were also into underage, you know, child porn and stuff like that. Really nasty stuff. Whether they were committing it or they had it in their possession. Mm -hmm. So this kind of nihilism and value. Uh, you know, empty value system that has had like has, within a generation has spawned this. Like it's mm. really incredible. What What do you think it's going to take for big tech to be um, somewhat held accountable for things like uh, age verification on on all these? Because correct me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of these kids are first. They're not scooped up on the dark web or whatever. They're 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 on TikTok, they're on right. Snapchat, they're on uh, what have you, X, whatever. What what they're brought what over. So like Caleb, Caleb Merritt's case, that girl, he met her on I think TikTok. He said, "Let's go over here, then we can talk here." And then he then the abuse started. So I think a lot of these guys are guilty. They just had a hearing in Congress, and they subpoenaed Zuckerberg and some of these other characters. Zuckerberg. As far as my opinion, he's a facilitator of child rape and abuse and child porn. Like it's rife and endemic in his properties. And he claims he doesn't even know. So these people who've been abused and like the kids have had these pictures taken, they're being shared on Facebook and Instagram. It's incredible with no civil or criminal penalties. Like what is the government doing? Mm -hmm. You have to, they have so much money and so many resources. 
The mm -hmm. Department of Homeland Security has 260,000 employees, and they don't do squat. Mayorkas is our first impeachment here, or second impeachment of a sitting member of a cabinet in the in the U.S. history. Like, he is a complete clown and a loser. He shouldn't even be there. Um, so it's, you're just like, like the, the, the point of a lot of these, I mean, that's the FBI, like it's the federal Bureau of investigation. They should be doing my investigation. Mm -hmm. This should have been my, my book on the smiley face killers should have been written by the mm -hmm. FBI with their money and resources. I'm just like a guy with an internet. I mean, an internet connection. That's it. Mm -hmm. Like they should be doing all this stuff. So the, the, I think that the law enforcement in certain parts, I'm not really a super critic, like all the law enforcement is bad. But I think that was the kind of need of why I wrote these books is like at that time they weren't really doing anything. But now the ONA is kind of they it's become a real these are real world events. They're coming off of the internet into the real world. Mm -hmm. But I think that the law enforcement and the government is they can do it. They have so many resources. Like I could get online and say literally uh the, the vote was stolen in 2020 and get kicked off, but they can't stop this. Because you know the reason why, because it's a huge operation to get blackmail and put people under their thumb. They want to control them. They want to know who the pedophiles are, and so they can control them. Just like Epstein and all that other stuff. Well, That's, that's really what I think. It, it seems to me that uh, unless there's, you know, parents, I, I feel for parents of young uh, children, and, and I'm glad I'm, I'm old myself and I didn't have to deal with that growing up as a Gen Xer, but seems to me that parents can only do so much to protect their children and unless there's some systemic controls and safeguards on on these platforms the abuse is is only going to continue i think it, i don't even think it's hard like they, they have ai stuff that's mm -hmm. able to ascertain if somebody has a non-conforming dissenting opinion about the shot or the elections or certain things they can find it right away and go gone like they've done it to me on YouTube, and but then they claimed, yeah, we're we're in, we're unable to stop the abuse. Give me a break, mm. give me a break. They should, they have to really change the legislation so that these uh, tech companies are in conformance with with law. So like you cannot break the law on this. So that means you cannot have this CSAM stuff on there. You cannot have groups that promote illegal things. You have to report this stuff to the authorities right away and who they are and what this person is. Like there should be reporting, active reporting things for these companies to operate. You know, this whole 230 thing, I think it just, it, it gave them the ability to not, to just like, hey, you know, we're not liable for anything that happens on this site. We don't have to do SWAT. No, I don't agree with that. I think that they but, should take an active thing or just let, you know, let the, let some other, I mean, we Twitter, Twitter had all these guys from the government in there, but they were there just monitoring things they didn't really want to hear. Nothing, nothing illegal. Twitter before, my understanding is Twitter was just as bad as Facebook as far as CSAM mm. before, um, the before the change, before Elon Musk bought it, and uh, they didn't do anything about it. It wasn't, it wasn't part of their issue. So I think these guys, a lot of these, some of these tech guys, you kind of wonder like. What are your mm -hmm. real interests? Like, are you for this like abuse stuff? Mm -hmm. So it's bad. It's really a but like like this whole these phenomenons, 09A, Smiley Face Killers, these are things that, that didn't exist 10, mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just awareness and public awareness has to catch up. And the public really does force law changes in laws and focus and stuff like that. So I think uh hopefully like shows like this, like that's kind of like my education like i'm trying to educate people about it so they'll know and they'll go well what the heck is this is my son mm -hmm. on these like what's he doing with the atom off on there mm -hmm. you know, the the challenge will be i think for the public again this is such um you know i have a criminal justice background so this stuff is not new to me but it, it's so dark and so evil that a lot of people just want to go no i don't i don't want to deal with this but we're going to have to if we're going to prevent victimization moving forward through yeah, no public pressure and political change. No question. Culture, the culture, like this kind of culture of talking about it and then recognizing the problem is the beginning. 
it's like the seeding process that'll make it change. Because then people will see it like, why didn't you guys see this? I knew that this group existed. You guys are playing dumb seven six four. That what are we paying you millions and billions of dollars to do? That's your. This is your job. You should be doing that. You should be setting out these public awareness pieces and things. I mean, the FBI, to their credit, did that last year. Mm -hmm. seven six four Colt and all these offshoots and stuff. Well, Bill, in terms of your work, very important stuff. Can you tell the viewers of the Hannibal TV not only where they can pick up this excellent book on the Smiley Face Killers, but all of your works as well as your you have a great uh, podcast I follow and and several other. Uh, venues to get your information out uh, if you could let the folks know now please yeah all my books are available on amazon you could buy signed copies from my website william ramsey investigates and then my podcast where i cover a lot of these topics a lot i've tried to cover things that people aren't covering mm. is william ramsey investigates and it's in the top 0.5 percent in the world so like mm. top fifteen thousand podcasts and i signed with spotify two years ago so that's been working out and censorship free. It's been nice being hosted in some other country with better freedom of speech, uh, you know, laws than we have here, at least in the States, it seems like. So that's basically it. Yeah. And I have a website. Like I said, I have a Patreon, William Ramsey Investigates. You can listen to my shows ad free. Um, I'm on Twitter. I post a lot of stuff there. I haven't been censored yet, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's basically it. Well, I, I want to, again, thank you for your time and encourage uh, the viewers of the Hannibal TV to check out your work. And we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch because uh, I'm sure, unfortunately, you're, you're not done producing books, documentaries, et cetera, on these, on these phenomenon. I just keep just discovering more. I'm going to have to go back and rewrite Global Death Cold and add in all these other things. Like it's mm -hmm. going to go from thick to even, you know, and twice as much information. So it's unfortunate, but these things are happening. There was another case, actually, that I wrote about a global death called Canadian, which is about uh, Lindsay Suvanarath, where she flew out to, to Halifax and tried to do a mass shooting like Columbine. So that was an interesting case. And one of the guys she was with did end up killing his parents, his dad. So very dark, but um, mm -hmm. that is a Canadian connection. Well, I appreciate your, your time. And again, we'll definitely stay in touch. And uh, no doubt, uh, as uh, developments occur in these cases and others, I'd uh, love to have you back. Thanks for Any being on the show today. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for the invite. Well, fans, that's it for a special edition of the Great North Wrestling Podcast. I want to thank you for viewing and catch you all later. Thank you for watching the Hannibal TV. Please help me out and like